back. This is Model Behavior. I am Michael G. Gable, and this is my podcast. Welcome to it. I am a professional model, um, but not a model human necessarily. I'm trying. And through these conversations with models and photographers and other people in my industry and just people I find interesting, um, I like to grab bits and pieces of their lives and integrate them into my life and hopefully becoming a better person. And I want to really thank anyone who listened to the episode last week where it was just me on the mic. I spoke for a while about some issues that were really important to me and then shared a very personal essay that I, I wrote for no good reason. And, um, but yeah, I felt compelled to share it. And it was a very vulnerable moment for me, very terrifying. And to anyone who listened, thank you. To anyone who provided feedback, thank you so much. People seem to like it. People seem to to get the message that I was I was trying to get across. And there may be more of those episodes in the future. But for now, we're back to our regularly scheduled programming of me interviewing people that are aspirational. And aspirational is a funny term because when you get the breakdown for an audition in modeling or acting, it has the role name and the brand name and the dates and the location and whatnot. But it also usually has a wardrobe note. And sometimes that just says aspirational. And it took me a really long time to figure out what that meant. I was like, am, am I aspirational? Am I aspiring to be something? Who's who's doing the aspiring here? And I eventually figured out through a very nice and patient casting director that I'm the one who's supposed to be aspired to. So whatever your role is, whatever you know, career or lifestyle you're portraying, you want to be someone who is put together and looks like they've got their shit together and is aspirational to the people who are going to see that ad or that commercial. And this week's guest, Chris Reed, is certainly aspirational. He played a big part in me becoming a full-time model, which he wasn't even aware of, which is interesting because Chris just has a really humble and grounded approach to what he does, whether it's modeling or stunts or acting or his athletic background, he he's in it for the right reasons. And I, I talked with him about a conversation I actually had with a buddy at a wedding this past weekend. And um, I'm in this PetSmart commercial that's been airing a lot lately. And my friend said that his dog hates it. And whenever it comes on TV, his dog will start barking at the TV. And if he's not in the room, he's like, oh, Gable must be on TV again, uh, which is hysterical because we went to college together and he's in Austin, Texas. But that's a really funny way for us to connect over seeing me in a silly PetSmart commercial. But we got to talking and he was like, you know, it's cool that you can see that commercial. But, you know, what's it like for all the people on set who don't get to see themselves on set? Like, why do you think they do what they do? And Chris and I talk pretty in depth about this, that just because you're the face doesn't mean you're more important than every single other person on that set from the director or the photographer down to the catering and the crafty everyone plays a role and when the machine is well oiled those pieces fit together so seamlessly and you create this product that anyone who is involved can point to and say i had a hand in that and be proud of it and there's a book i read a while back called the invisibles by david 
Zwieg, I want to say. It's on Amazon, and it's it's about the sort of hidden heroes of professions that you may not think about but play an integral role in creating the product that you you do see in whatever, you know, if it's a rock concert, they, they talk about the the guitar tech who's worked for the Rolling Stones for 40 years and makes sure all of Keith Richards' guitars are tuned and how his job is just as important as Keith Richards, even though he's not getting all the praise and applause on stage every night. And oftentimes he's not getting any acknowledgement because his job is just to make sure nothing goes wrong. So if he doesn't get any feedback, that's a good thing. And Chris and I kind of get into the motivations for why we do what we do. And it's not all look at me, look at me. And it's it's refreshing that Chris has this sort of perspective of just wanting to put his head down, do good work, and move forward in his career. And he's had a cool career. You know, like I said, he's he's modeled, he's acted, he's done stunts, he's been in TV shows that I'm not going to spoil, but uh, will definitely be a blast from the past for a lot of listeners. And it was just really great to to hear his perspective on the industry and the lifestyle and the hustle and the potential for growth. He's definitely an aspirational person. So without further ado, Chris Reed. smooth radio voice hello well thanks for having me chris oh thanks thanks for joining me in my my cat house yeah you do live in a cat house it's very <laughs> lovely though thanks um, man yeah i, I want to say thanks for being here thanks for letting me into your home but also i owe you a thanks because the famous now famous merrill shoot i did which was like a turning point in my career. And I was like, I want to go full time with this uh-huh. was because you couldn't make it. <laughs> Do you remember that? I, yeah, I think I know what you're talking it about. It was the Merrill trail running spot on Mount Shasta oh with Zach God. Staben and Steph Cordrell. So you stepped into that. Yeah. They called me frantically from the Portland office at like 10 PM. <laughs> and they're like, can you be on a plane tomorrow? And luckily I could. Oh my God. Because you had booked some triathlon shoot. So you were double booked and had to yeah. pull out of the Mount Shasta one. I had no clue. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah, I, I forget what, what exactly I was booked on, but, um, it, it was, I was on a veil for this other shoot and Merrill. Yeah. And I, I love Merrill shoes. So I was yeah. very excited about yeah. that. And we, they gave me the range of dates and the other shoot booked me. And so I knew those dates. So I, we updated Merrill. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it was going to work out. And Merrill actually said, "said Okay, we're confirming you." Yeah. And so here I am thinking, "All right, I got one job. Then you know, go shoot in the mountains with Merrill." And then they send me, they sent me my flight, mm-hmm. and my flight out of L.A. was leaving like the second day of me shooting on the other shoot, right? Which is in and, like Utah or something. Yeah, yeah. So both of them were out of town. Yeah. And so it was, you know, panic mode of hit up my agent and it was it's like what what do we do about yeah. this can we can we just adjust the flight or whatever and they couldn't make it work and so yeah and we talked but, about that with with Huth Michael Huth on two episodes yeah. ago about what to do with overlapping avails right which is easy when it's in within one agency but when you have multiple agencies it's yep. when it starts to get really tricky yeah even this even was all with SLU yeah and um 
we yeah we couldn't make it work well but. it's funny because that was when i was like very part-time modeling and the <laughs> photo they had gotten as they were scrambling for a replacement was me with my like long hair like man bun status i remember you had very long hair and then <laughs> they were like can we just get a quick digital like we're confirming flights right now and then i sent him a photo because i had cut my hair and they're like oh wait a minute you're not the guy they're like but actually we wait, like it better don't look like thor <laughs> yeah. and so i ended up you know with the look i have now but I remember I'd run into you auditions all the time and you're like, dude, every yeah. time I see you, you have different hair. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was trying to figure out my look and I think we've both settled on the scruffy, kind of clean cut, all yep. American. Yeah, just the the scruff shadow. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Do you find that works for you? It, well, I actually, recently I, here I am just talking about my hair. Um, We're models, yeah. man. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. Uh, I actually recently had kind of long hair and it was looking kind of Justin Bieber. Yeah. Like, you know, the swoop to the side, a little yeah. throwback. But that was that was because of another um, a stunt job I was doing. I was right. doubling an actor with longer hair, so I just had to keep it long for that. And then I jumped onto a, another stunt job and that actor has shorter hair, so mm -hmm. I had to cut it. So I, I've kind of gotten to the point where I just don't do anything with my hair and I let whatever job yeah, determine. Yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So... I've, I, but when I was seeking work, like kind of more aggressively and like, you know, in the early years of being in LA, mm -hmm. I would keep it like that kind of athletic, yeah. you know, short on the side, a little bit longer on top. And that seemed to be the look that got me more of the athletic stuff, which yeah. I love doing when I first got here. I think it's important to A, look like your headshots and B, just kind of know what you want to go in as, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, you have to... I think first you should feel comfortable about how you're looking. Hundred percent. You shouldn't. Yeah, you you know that confidence shines through, and then just have a variety of headshots in your right. in your tool belt. You know, so and I mean it, it's weird because you know you'll get an audition notice and you see the photo that the agent submitted sent, for you, yeah. submitted for you, and you're like, ugh. Uh -huh. I don't have a beard anymore, you uh -huh. know? So you do have to handle that. But I think casting directors are more forgiving these days with that and clients are too. Yeah. Like I've, I've gone to callbacks with like completely different. Oh, I know. That's always before. terrifying. You like, know, like maybe they wanted me because of my beard. And then I got to shave it yeah. for this shoot. And yeah. And yeah. yeah, you can stress about that. But if you have to cut it for like another job, then it's like, well, at least you're working. And right. Bird in the hand is worth two yeah. in the bush or whatever. But yeah. we can get into all the intricacies <laughs> of, our jobs later on. I want to start with the official first question. Oh, okay. Which is, uh, what were you up to when you were seven years old? Throw a curveball at you. Mm, I like that question. Yeah. Um, when I was seven, I was in Yakima, Washington. Cool. At Washington State, uh, like two hours east of Seattle. And I was probably jumping on a trampoline. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Or <laughs> climbing a tree. Yeah. Because yeah. um, my, my parents own a gymnastic school. Well, they oh. used to. They they used to own a gymnastics school there in Yakima, and so it was it was like my daycare. I would I would go to school. Mm -hmm. They'd pick me up and take me to work with them because you know they were coaching till like nine p.m. every night. Really? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so so they had rec classes for kids all the way up to team girls. You know, going on off to college to do gymnastics and mm -hmm. um, occasionally like an elite gymnast high level, and so that's hours and hours in the gym for the gymnast but then of course my the parents have to be there yeah and they're running the gym the running the business at the same time so they're very busy but it was great because um 
you know, we were hanging out with him at work. Um, me and my two sisters in a playground, basically. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was the best, and I I think I appreciated it for what it was at the time. You yeah, know, like you just hope you look back at you know if you had a pretty lucky upbringing, or mm-hmm. blessed, then you hope that you appreciate it at the time. And I think I did. I don't think I was ever too bored there yeah. when like all my friends were so jealous. It, like, well, it's tricky because a lot of times the things parents do or excited about or passionate about or spend their time doing kids rail against like yeah. i had all the access to <laughs> golf in the world as a kid but that was what my dad did so i didn't want to do it and even though i had yeah. like all kinds of natural talent and potential i was just like i don't want this is my old man's game yeah um, but it seems like based on your instagram stories which are just you throwing like misty flips in parking lots <laughs> half the time it seems like you at least embraced it to some extent yeah and i i think it's i really liked how unique my upbringing was I. I saw that like I was the only kid in my school who did gymnastics. Yeah, and then my dad was also super into rock climbing, windsurfing, well, um, mountaineering, and I didn't. I had maybe one other friend who hiked every once in a while, but like I was the only kid who with this really cool active. Or my mom too. They were both super active in these unique sports, and so yeah. I just I latched on to just how unique that was, and so I just ran with that. So. Yeah, I was pretty proud of that. And my two sisters, they they latched onto it as well. And um I, I got more into soccer in high school mm-hmm. just because I all my friends were doing that. And so that's when I kind of split off with like, oh well, I do want to do what all my friends are doing. But at least in that like developmental stage, yeah. I was I was doing gymnastics, which I'm I'm so thankful for because it's like it it's just such a a cool base that a kid could have totally like you know learn how to do a cartwheel something simple as that mm-hmm. it it just does so much for a developing body i mean just in terms of like fear response and like yeah know, adventurousness i had i went to a camp early on that was all about the outdoors and i gravitated towards rock climbing and i was kind of like you where i had this rock climbing experience people were like wait you go rock climbing yeah and i kind of embraced it and then once I got to high school and I was like, pick a team sport and rock climbing wasn't one of them. So I, you know, I played lacrosse and water polo in the standard sports, but always sort of had that background of loving the outdoors. Yeah. It sounds like you had that That's plus great. gymnastics. Yeah. But so soccer, you played competitively. Yeah. I played that in college. So I took a break from the gymnastics yeah. in high school. I also dove in high school um, in the winter when I wasn't playing soccer, mm-hmm. you know, trying to find a sport to do um, swimming, you know, couldn't really yeah <laughs> the they di- make you diving. my water polo coach was like you have to swim I'm yeah like, mm, yeah, do yeah I? same with yeah. same with our swim coaches they would grab the dive team and throw us in a relay yeah that would just murder me um and then yeah played um college soccer in walla walla washington nice um small liberal arts school um ncaa i think it was like 1200 undergrad there mm-hmm. and um it was it was amazing it was a great school to be at and then in college my sophomore year there was a play auditioning for parts and I just, it was during the winter when I wasn't playing soccer. And so yeah. I thought, well, this could be fun. Cause I've, I've always, I don't know, I've gone to a couple plays growing up and I thought that was pretty cool mm-hmm. what these people were doing, putting on a show. And so I just thought I'd try it out. And then I just fell in love with it right away. Really? Just, yeah. I went to the next show, auditioned for the next show, you know, got part. And kept going. And then eventually I was like, well, I'll just make this my major. Cause you know, really? I'll, so you switched to theater? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it yeah. You know, so junior year, I was just going fall, all in on uh, theater. And 
uh, Whitman College in Walla Walla. They they have a really good theater pro- program. It's all encompassing. It. I had a class on lighting. Yeah. Um, oh, cool! Another so like production on, and everything. Yeah, yeah. All just all corners of production. Yeah, it was it was just great. And then from there, I was thinking, you know, well, New York, that's the place for theater. Mm-hmm. So I'll look at that. But then one of my professors recommended a theater apprenticeship in Louisville, Kentucky, okay, of cool. all places. Yeah. But they actually have like one of the most competitive sought after apprenticeships in the country because they they put themselves on the map uh, with their new play festival that they do. Mm-hmm. They like a lot of regional theaters in the country now do new play festivals where they premiere these pieces of work, but they were the first to kind of do that outside of Broadway. Yeah. And so they've been doing this apprenticeship where they bring in 20 recent college grads and just throw them into the works of their theater. Mm -hmm. So I auditioned for that and I don't know how, but I got accepted and they they took me in because so many kids who were auditioning have been doing theater their whole life. Yeah. And here I was kind of, I don't know, like a weird jock-ish type. Yeah, you're like a convert. Yeah, like yeah, and uh, but they some they liked something that I did, and so they brought me in, and uh, it was just a nine month program, and went through that, and it was amazing. And, and do you was, think you know maybe some of your athletic background and competitive gymnastics background fed into why you liked it so much when you first tried it, and why you decided to switch your major entirely? Because there's something to putting on a production it's very similar to being on a team and having a season oh, and absolutely. a goal, yeah. you know, as opposed to majoring in history where it's just you writing papers. Just you. Yeah. Yeah. I, what I really like about theater and just big, I mean, I could translate it to film and TV as well, or even a modeling shoot is yeah. everyone has their individual role mm-hmm. and just the awareness of what everyone's role is and then what yours is and how all these cogs fit together something about that is just very pleasing to me. Yeah. And so when, when it it's, yeah, when it's a well-oiled machine, I'm just on such a high because I'm like, okay, I fit in right here and then we're going to do this and it's, it's all going to be a great product in the end. Mm-hmm. And so with a theater show, the, the whole process from doing that first read through to final performance is just so cool because it all evolves throughout yeah. the whole process. Yeah. 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 I love that aspect of, being on set and you know, especially on a union job where there are rules about like you're not allowed to pick something up if you're not a grip and yep. you can't touch lights if you're not lighting department it's interesting because i always try to be super helpful on set and right. a lot of times the most helpful thing i can do is get the fuck out of the oh, way oh yeah yeah like, just shut up and stand like you're gonna there. you're gonna make more work for people by trying to carry things and help and absolutely it gets a little frustrating with my like midwestern sensibilities right. but it's cool when it's that it's almost like a military order. Like these are the grunts. These are yeah. the captains. This is the general. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I think I would have been a pretty, pretty good soldier if I chose that path. Cause I love <laughs> that. The reason I really love stunts is it, a lot of those guys are vets. Oh yeah. Like they, a lot of them come from that background and I love like just getting in order and getting it done mm-hmm. really well. And with with stunts they it, you you don't always get like a pat on the back like hey that was amazing it's right. more like a nod and it's yeah. just a cool i don't know kind of military military type yeah um, feeling but I, I i get that the idea of like you don't need to be praised and lavished for your craft and your no, art it's, it's just, just like you like did your a, job yeah on to the next you on know? to the next we know we know we got the job done 
I just, there's something about just that hierarchy mm-hmm. on a film set or a, a photo shoot. Yeah. Where it's like the order of it appeals to my brain because, order, yeah. you know, you listen to a lot of military guys talk on podcasts and whatnot. They talk about how in the military you do everything the same way every time because then inconsistencies are just glaring. Hmm. And so if you're planning a mission versus making your bed, if something's out of order, it's going to be noticed immediately and hmm. you can adjust to that inconsistency which mm. on sets is nice because a lot of times you don't have as much information as you'd like. So it's, yeah. it's nice to just like be focused on the task at hand. So if something's wonky, you can notice it and adjust. Yeah. That's a lot of times you don't know a lot. Most, <laughs> you don't know in. most things. Yeah. It's funny how that works out. But, yeah. um, it's, it's keeping me auditioning and keeping yeah. me hustling. So, so get me to LA because I know, oh, right. You're doing text, you're doing stunts Kentucky. now. You have a theater background. You're a very successful sports model. Like when I go to the agency, it's Chris Reed on the walls. <laughs> like you're uh, whenever I see you at an audition, I'm like, ah, shit. Like I like this guy, but <laughs> we are very similar. So we've never worked together because they right. rarely would book two guys like us who look the same. Yeah, um, they're getting like the same products. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel that same way about you when I see you at an audition. <laughs> yeah, but um, maybe st- how did you get into modeling, and then yeah. what's the focus right now? What are you driving towards? Yeah. So. Okay, so it was like seven years ago, I moved to LA, seven and a half, and I immediately got a day job. My day job was coaching gymnastics. So it was just an easy go-to. Yeah. Um, and there was a gym in Culver City um, where I was, I was living in Culver City. So I biked to work. And this couple who I had met in Louisville in that program, they had already been living out here. Mm-hmm. And so they kind of got me on my feet with as far as like which casting sites to get on is for acting um and so they they were great they they were like my training wheels for my first month being here yeah just like what to look out for because i did i didn't know anyone out it's here it's nice except, to have that yeah it was amazing so i was moving out here i wasn't even that scared about like oh what will i do to get on my feet because they they told me exactly what to do and so i was coaching gymnastics little little auditions that i submitted to myself mm-hmm. did the whole headshot thing um, you know, paid a hundred bucks to yeah. some random guy. And, and you're looking for TV and film roles at this point. Yeah. At this yeah. point. Yeah. Just trying to do the acting thing. And it, it was probably six to eight months after being here. I had a friend from back home, send me an REI cover, like a screenshot of a REI magazine cover. Yeah. And she was like, this guy totally looks like you. <laughs> And I thought, well, that should be me. Right. <laughs> like, it, Why couldn't I'm like, it be me? I rock climb. I grew up hiking. I did all this outdoorsy shit. I should be on that cover. And so I literally Googled the catalog number or whatever of REI and yeah. looked like who's the agent. I, who's really? the agent of that model? I literally just Googled that. Wow. I, I don't know if his name came up, but SLU came up. Really? I didn't know you could find that information. It was, That's some I good Google hacked, food. Yeah. I hacked some network because I somehow tracked it down to SLU worked, or maybe it was like SLU works with S, or, uh, REI quite yeah. a bit or something. But I found them and it saw they have offices in Portland. I'm like, great. I'm from the Northwest. They have an LA office. And so I just did an online submission mm-hmm. with some pictures that I had of me rock climbing, hiking. Um, and just whatever I had, just you as had much soccer as I and gymnastics, diving. Yeah. Yeah. And so I just made sure to list everything that I could do or grew up doing. And, um, they brought me in and did a little interview and wanted mm-hmm. to 
sign a contract. And so got into that. And then I think my first job with them was like a soccer job with uh, Dick Sporting Goods yep. in Santa Barbara. And I was just in heaven. I was like, what? I'm getting paid to yeah. play soccer in Santa Barbara? <laughs> it, was, it was insane. And um, and then it was fairly you know, steady, like a job every month, every other month for, you know, like a year and a half. And I was still coaching gymnastics. Yep. I found a theatrical agent at this point, a little bit after SLU. And so things, you know, things pretty much took off right away. Mm -hmm. And um, the modeling jobs became more consistent. And then eventually I was able to just kind of step away from the gymnastics coaching, right. which I was a little bit reluct reluctant to do that because it was great because I could still train there because yeah. I realized, oh, I should keep up on my gymnastics and flipping and parkour mm -hmm. because that serves some of the jobs that I'm doing. Um, and I'll still go there every once in a while and, you know, train because they're, they're great people down there and yeah. they're like, you don't have to work here to work out here. So, yeah. Well, that's a tricky kind of inflection point when the jump to full time, you know, it's that, yeah, that was a, a little bit of a leap. Yeah. And I did the same. That's what the Shasta job for me was. It was, well, it's what pushed me to really try to make the leap and oh, really? trying to pinpoint when you feel comfortable because like you said a job this month the job every other month yeah to get that from a job every other month to a job once a week and auditioning you know every day yeah. is tricky and it's a lot of it's hunting down those tears from the shoots you do do but also getting new images for your portfolio on your own and mm -hmm. communicating with your agents about what jobs you want but like what do you think allowed you to have the confidence to to make that leap um the secret <laughs> was it <laughs> it was it totally was um no uh it was <laughs> as long as you don't say scientology no, I, i'm like gathering my thoughts um <laughs> it was like that time i started reading the secret and i it was cool because i could i could see the effect of manifesting and mm -hmm. law of attraction before i even knew what was happening because the whole like theater thing i was just and getting into that really competitive program in yeah. Kentucky, I, looking back, I wasn't even worried about not like being successful at any point in theater or anything. I was just like, I love this and I want more of it. Yeah. And so let me just do more of it. And so, and then with the, with SLU, I, I had no idea about like athletic modeling until right. I, I saw that cover and I was like, oh, I should do that. Like, yeah. I really thought, yeah, that should be me. And, and so it, then I read the book and it just kind of affirmed like, oh yeah, this is like a true law in my life that's working out this way. So let's just hammer down with this. And so when I was coaching, I, I sort of weaned off of teaching classes to just, or during the week to just teaching on the uh, weekends. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of a leap, but I was like, listen, I can, I'm checking in with like how many jobs I'm booking. And like, you know, you have to do a little bit of math with, you know, how much you're bringing in with yeah, yeah. any of the jobs and what's your average, blah, blah, blah. And, and then it was like, well, I just need to uh, make this uh, proclamation that I'm doing this full time now. And mm -hmm. so I did. And actually like immediately I started booking more. Like it was, it's bizarre. I mean, it is bizarre. It's, and I don't know what you can pin it down to the universe or psychology or just believing in yourself, but I've done it with really oddly specific things in terms of like how much money I want to make this month. And we don't have that much control over the amount of castings we go on and the amount of jobs we book. But like, if mm -hmm. I set a number for the month, mm -hmm. I'll hit it. And it's yeah. like, how did I do that? Yeah. And I guess it's just, 
having a specific goal versus floating, you know? Yeah, it it gets your mind just more focused mm -hmm. if you know specifically what you want at any point. Yeah. And I don't know, it it <laughs> it's really hard to explain. It's really hard to explain, but, but um I mean there's a book by who is it Napoleon Hill. It's like Think and Grow Rich, I think. Yeah. And it's about like you can't just say I want to be rich. Like you have to set goals and you have to okay, here's this overarching goal for the year. How do I break that down month by month? What can I be doing to achieve this and mm -hmm. that? And it's almost this mil like this military like hierarchy of breaking <laughs> it down into actionable steps to move towards mm -hmm. what you want as opposed to just being like I want a Ferrari. It's like, well, right. You can't just you can't <laughs> besides putting money in the bank, there's no way to take actionable spe steps towards getting a Ferrari. Yeah, and it's if you if you are figuring out exactly what it is you want and you're looking at those steps, then, you know, throughout your day, you're seizing any opportunity just to get yep. you closer to that. And so you're just preparing yourself for getting to that point. And you're also pushing away anything that's not aiding you. Any distraction. Yeah. And so, yeah, like stopping with the coaching and committing fully to modeling. That's yep. what I wanted to do. So, you know, I probably had more free time to train in different sports, blah, blah, mm -hmm. blah. And then I could, you know, update my portfolio. Yeah. And the agents probably even read, oh, yeah, we need to submit Chris more because we know that he's serious about this and we're seeing that he's booking more. And so it, it's kind of like a snowball effect. Yep, for sure. Yeah. So it sounds like that worked for you in terms of, you know, creating a full time career in modeling. And I know you're in, st I've seen you in Barry doing stunts. I've seen you. Um, <laughs> little back handspring. <laughs> yeah, lots of cool stuff. But so what is your vision board, so to speak, look like now? What's okay. your, what's your focus? Because is it, it sounds like th true theater has moved to the wayside, but is it TV and film? Is it fitness modeling, outdoors modeling, or is it stunts? It's, it's everything actually. Yeah. I, I've kind of, I, I was thinking for a while, like, you had to, I just have to choose one thing. Right. But I mean, who made up that rule? You yeah. Know? So I was acting for a bit, uh, solely acting because I, I was on a show and then I was done with that show and just started modeling again and realized that I really enjoyed the few stunt jobs that I worked on when I first got to LA. Mm -hmm. And so this is like, you know, a couple of years ago, I was like, well, I'm just going to do stunts now and yeah. like see how that goes. And so since then I've worked on quite a few things with stunts and I've been loving that. Mm -hmm. But then it's also really nice to book like a modeling job every once in a while just for some nice, like yeah. no harm to my body, like yeah. money. <laughs> You're not getting blown up. <laughs> yep. Yep. Not <laughs> falling on concrete. Yeah. Um, so that's like a nice reprieve from stunts. And then the acting, like I'll, totally go on an audition if that comes up yeah. i'm not turning down acting jobs for the stunts so right now i'm i love just juggling all of it right because i still have enough time for all of that stunts is taking off more than the other two right mm -hmm. now and i love that too so i'm it's it is a little bit of juggling at this point but i think that's great that sounds like a sustainable amount of juggling you know there are people mm -hmm. who spread themselves too thin they're like i'm a right. dj and an actor yeah. and a model <laughs> and you know i also like starting up a food truck it's like yeah, you're probably yeah. not gonna have all those take off but when they you know influence each other like acting stunt work and modeling which yep. all have overlapping venn diagrams definitely i think you could be a series regular for a while. Then when that dries up, go back to modeling to pay your bills and then yep. pick up stunt work. And let's not gloss over the fact that you weren't just on a show. You were 
on the Power Rangers, <laughs> which is amazing. Not just any show. Yeah. <laughs> was, yeah. You guys filmed in New Zealand, right? New Zealand, yeah, for nine months. What was that like? Oh, it was, it was the best. I look back at it as a dream. It was just yeah. insane. And my wife was able to move out there with me. Amazing. So it, it was just the best situation that could have happened. And it was crazy how it happened because I booked it and they wanted me out there nine days after we were getting married. Whoa. So honeymoon. It was, it was literally our honeymoon. We had to cancel the one we had planned. Yeah. And it's a good problem to have. <laughs> it, it was a, the best problem to have. And I had a comedic role on the show. Yeah. And so it was just so much fun just being over the top comedy, you know, for Nickelodeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had enough time to explore the country and it's, the most incredible country have you have you been i haven't it's on like top of my list yeah, of places keep to it go. there yeah um yeah i highly recommend it to anyone it's- but I'm, I'm curious because you know i got into modeling because i didn't want a day job and then right. you know you get i'm as we were talking before the podcast i'm not really pushing the tv and movie aspect of my career i do it mm-hmm. do it here and there and i'll go on auditions but it's not really what i'm driving towards partially because one of the big goals of tv and film acting is like getting to be a series regular which right. all of a sudden you don't have a day job you have like a 14 hour six day a week it's brutal you know it's for sure and it's all downtime you know there's you're doing <laughs> depends on what kind of show you're on and if you're in new zealand i think you probably have a little different perspective than being on a lot in burbank yeah um but did you like that weekly schedule type of aspect of it or did it get a little tiring i loved it um it was tiring like you know four o'clock call time like yeah five days in a row yeah that can get old but you know i just do a little check-in little reminder like oh yeah this is really fun yeah, what we're I'm doing right now and, Rangers, and so. i do have a job and <laughs> yeah. yeah so it was a lot of those moments but yeah it's it's grueling and i don't yeah i i didn't really realize that until you know i was two months into it mm-hmm. but you know i i'm pretty good with adapting to grueling schedules easy schedules i i'm i'm like an amoeba sort of i think i think it's a nice trait that my my parents gave me and so i was able to adapt to that grueling schedule and you know you have to yeah Um, it's just a matter of like how happy you are with it and there are a lot of actors who are just so unhappy even though they have jobs that other you know aspiring actors would kill for but yeah it's long hours on set it's long hours (laughs) but I mean, most of our jobs are long hours on set. The only difference is yep. it's a day here, two days there. So it's always changing and you never know what you're going to get. But I'd imagine knowing that, oh, for this week, my call times are this. And for next week, we're off. And then right. you know, that's reassuring because, you know, like you said, you have to do the math of how much money you're making. And sometimes I don't even want to look at the numbers. I'm like just <laughs> trusting that I can cover all my bills and have some money left over yeah. to play, which is different than getting a weekly salary on a show yeah but i think what right. what you've kind of you know you're getting at is that you're not trapped into needing the relevance or a, i have to be on a like a sitcom right now or if i'm or i'm not relevant my star meter is falling like <laughs> you enjoy the work and then if you're not on a show you'll do your modeling or your stunting which is more behind the scenes anonymous yep. stuff and then if you get another show great but yeah you're kind of you're getting fulfilled by just the work itself and not what it represents in terms of your relevance or star media. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a practice to just appreciate where you are in the moment and, yeah. not, you know, just, just trust that you have your path. Other people have others, like, especially as, as I am getting older, it's really tough to 
<laughs> I mean, I've ever, you know, every guy probably always thought they could be go pro with a sport or whatever. But Not when me. I watch soccer now, <laughs> yeah. when I watch English soccer, they're like Liverpool was playing a guy who was 16 the other day. Yeah. And I'm like, that's half my freaking age. Like, yep. What? But then it's like, well, that's his path. And I had mine and I'm happy with where I'm at. And uh, so the same goes with the acting and the stunting and modeling is like, yeah, sure. You booked that Shasta job and I mm-hmm. didn't. But it's like, well, you were meant to book that. And I yeah. was meant to, you know, be in Utah or whatever. We both got and paid. So it's a lot of that kind of practice mm-hmm. when I, when you go from like not booking this to booking this. It's nice because it, it does take it takes the stress away immediately when you realize, well, I'm doing what I can do. And if I get this, that's great. If I don't, that's also great because I'm meant to go down yeah. this pathway. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of times when you're like, I'm definitely getting a callback for that. Yep. And you don't get the callback notification. And then something, a last minute shoot pops up and they're like, Oh, this guy dropped out. Like, can you be on set this morning? And yep. it just, if you if you see what could be perceived as a negative space in your life as a potential for positive, you're so much more primed for growth instead of like yeah. stewing in the things you didn't get. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, maybe that like just frees up space for something else that exactly. I'm supposed to get instead. It's, it's a really good gut reaction to have that. To yeah. Anything. I mean, I don't even, I don't really see like knocking any job as a negative anymore. I see, which, you know, rewind, you know, five years, I pro- might have, oh, yeah. you know, you know, brooded over it for a couple of days or something. But I think I am also lucky that I'm mostly optimistic. Mm-hmm. And so that's just a nice switch to turn on when I'm going through a week of like, oh, I don't have any work. Yeah. Um, twiddling my thumbs, where's yeah. the money? But but then, you know, that switch goes off and it's a nice gut reaction to think, oh, well, I'm not supposed to work this week. I'm supposed to train. I'm supposed to do mm-hmm. that. And so it, you get more excited for like, well, what can I do now? Instead yep. of being at the beck and call of production or mm-hmm. or work. Yeah, I always try to frame it as like, it's a it's a chance to like, oh, I got yeah. this audition in Burbank. Like, okay, I'm going to be there at 3 p.m. Like that's a chance to go to the climbing gym when no one's right. going to be there. And just try to find some positive spin. Otherwise, you're just going to, sit in traffic and then want to kill yourself all day like you know there's so many ways to 90 percent of la yeah <laughs> and i mean do you enjoy the auditioning process i do yeah sometimes yeah sometimes it's you know a long wait and all you do is go in there and yeah get pictures Pans, taken face, of you, and that's it and you're like well mm-hmm. what now but um yeah mostly i do because yeah it's it's just a door to opportunity to meeting more cool people yeah making some money possibly traveling somewhere yeah i really like the audition process i do too because as you get farther in your career you realize there's so many factors out of your control they may be looking for someone who's just like me yeah but they booked a girl who's five four and they need a shorter me you know you'll never know why you didn't get the job but you can know that you walked out of that audition room doing the best job you could do Yep. And it's a chance to, you know, if you're if you're acting, if you're showcasing a sport for fitness modeling, you can do the best job you can do. But it's also right. this weird room where you get to like play. You get to do sometimes mm-hmm. the silliest auditions are fun because you're like, I drove to Santa Monica at 11 a.m. Mm-hmm. and then I just danced with strangers and pretended to be at a party or like yeah. ran around on the ground like a dog. Like some weird. And those stuff. are maybe people you'll never see again. Never in your see life. again. And it's like, yeah. what normal it's adult does so this? Weird. 
but the chance to play is really fun. And my girlfriend has three young daughters and just like playing yeah. without worrying about how people are looking at you or how you're perceived is yeah. really refreshing. I just, so I had an audition earlier today. I have no idea what it's for. It was, I yeah. think they used a code word or something, but um, Probably they Apple. brought three of us in the room. Yeah. <laughs> three of us into a room and we're having a quote unquote business meeting. Yeah. Like a conference. And uh, they had like a pie chart on a, you know, a piece of paper and we were supposed to just, it's, it was for a photo shoot. So they're like, the dialogue doesn't w- matter. Mm-hmm. So just, you know, one of you is presenting at a time. The other two are just listening and you're just presenting to the room, you know, how the, how the year's going financially, blah, 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 just business meeting. And it was the most, the three of us, we just like bullshitted so much, just <laughs> like vague business talk. Like these are our projections for the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, you know, and it was so much fun because when we cut, we all just died laughing because we were like, I have no idea what I'm talking about. And that probably sounded horrible, but, but we all good just, improv. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was good improv practice. And um, it was just. Yeah. And I got out of there thinking, what? The, some people just go to work in, in a cubicle and, mm-hmm. you know, punch numbers. And I mean, that wasn't I didn't get paid for that, but it's like potential for work. And yeah. so it's just it's such a weird life. It's but. so bizarre, but there are the moments when you get partners in an audition where you really just like click and you're like, okay, let's take yeah. this seriously, but also have some fun because it's going to yeah. show that chemistry, which mm-hmm. is one of the hardest things in an audition when, especially when it's a, a girlfriend, quote unquote, yep. and they're like, we want to see chemistry, which doesn't mean necessarily like put your arm around her, which is, like, you know, the yeah. trope of like 16 year old young love, but <laughs> having familiarity Problem. and comfort with someone is yeah. tough off the top. I think in those precious moments when you're paired up before going in the room mm-hmm. the worst these days is if like you're paired up and you like wave at each other across the room and they immediately go on their phone yeah like, are you kidding Shoot. me we can just like break yeah. the ice right now and now we're gonna break the ice in the room in front of them and so that's that's the only or that is a downside like these days it's so easy to just distract yourself and most people that's mm-hmm. their default yeah um but it's great it's so refreshing when you're paired up with someone they immediately like eye contact and they're like yeah let's do this just and talk about anything going on anything and like and you just connect the best is you can find some bit to call back in the actual scene in the audition yep. and then like kind of make them be like oh you remembered that and then yeah. that shows like oh these people know each other yep they're not strangers who just met in a waiting room yep because it's so obvious i would love to wouldn't you love to see all your auditions with strangers <laughs> <No>. oh man <laughs> well maybe 90 percent but there were a few where I, I left and I was like, that was really dumb. Someone would make a lot of money if they, you know, just scoured through all the, they're out there. I mean, I had, I had a camera op. He was like, I'm not supposed to do this, but I just got to show you this audition. Cause it was supposed to be people at a party at like a pool party. Uh-huh. And the audition was to come in, like say hi to your friends, uh, you know, cheer someone in the distance and then like sit down. And he's like, you got to see what this guy did. He's like a 70 year old man who I don't know why he was at this pool party scene. <laughs> But he kept like saying hi to people who were six inches tall. Like he was like saying hi to the <laughs> ground. And the guy, you could hear the guy stop the camera and be like, no, like eyes up, eye line up. And he's kept walking in. And but waving. I'm a giant. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be something choice. different. <laughs> oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure I have videos like that. People have been like, you got to see this guy. <laughs> there, there was one just a few weeks ago that uh, I think it was just set up so awkwardly. Like they were having me DJ at a party. Cool. Yep. No one else in the room. 
Also, the table was up to my knees. <laughs> so I was like the old, I was bending down to a table and it was like a plate that was the uh, disc that I was, I don't know how to DJ, but scratching, scratching. So like hunched over at a party and they're yeah. like, they're serious about this. They're like, you're having a great time. You're going to like do a shot with someone <laughs> and then play a song and like your buddy likes it. And in the back of my head, I'm like, this is like, where's the hidden camera? Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> you, you're sending this into a show, right? Like this is for Jimmy Kimmel. But yeah, that was one where I left and I was like, what is my life? Never show that to me again. <laughs> but some of those ones where you feel the most awkward are the ones you they pick you and you're like me like that oh yeah you know yeah that too <laughs> yeah that's well that just speaks back to like so much is out of your control you, yeah. you just have to be you you just have to do your best and fate will decide <laughs> so it sounds like you have a good mindset about the whole hustle and where you're headed so if we project out seven years from now what is it what does chris reed's lo- life look like Hmm. because someone asked me recently they're like what do you want to do when you grow up just kind of joking. It was this yeah. hairstylist. And I was like, I think I'm doing it. Like, <laughs> they're like, what, what do you really want to do? And I was like, this. Like, yeah. I can scale this, but I don't really want to change anything. Right. You know, they're like, don't you want to be in movies? And I was like, no, I don't, maybe, <laughs> but like, I don't need to. Yeah. So I'm curious what, sounds like you have a similar, I don't know, you tell me. Well, I'll never grow up. And okay. I, seven years from now, I, I'd love to be just keeping very busy with the stunts and possibly at that point getting into stunt coordinating, which is, you know, a stunt coordinator is working around the clock with production and kind of overseeing the stunt department Mm -hmm. on said production. And that is for very experienced stunt persons. So, you know, seven years from now, I'm getting more experience since then. And so it, it would be that, that sentence didn't make sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I seven gotcha, years I from gotcha. now, I'll have, you know, enough experience that I, I could be getting into that, you know, yeah. stunt coordinating smaller things. And I mean, that, that is the most sustainable path for a stunt man is, or stunt woman is getting into coordinating, yeah. know, taking yourself out of harm's way. Probably good for your body long-term. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I'd like to be doing that. And over those seven years, I I would like to act again. There are like stunt actors who like yeah. I, I have I have done a stunt acting job, and that was still fun. And so the acting bug is still there. The modeling bug is still there. So yeah, it it'll be I think a lot of this, but then definitely getting more into stunts. So what is it about more. stunts that spoke to you? Because obviously it makes sense given your the fact that when you were seven years old, you were just in a gym jumping around doing yeah. flips. But is it is it the gymnastic aspect of it? Is it the more behind the scenes? Like you're talking about that military sort of like just do it and get move on with it? Or it's, is it getting shot at, you know? Uh, <laughs> I like getting shot at. Um, <laughs> it's I think it's that military type of aspect of, yeah. you know, I know my role mm-hmm. and I'm here to do my job and they have theirs. And I, yeah, that that's probably a big part of it. And it's also just, it feels really cool to to be on set and just yeah. know I'm, I'm part of the stunt department. Yeah, um, it's it seems more humble than like there's always well, this sort yeah. of stereotype of the it's, talent on set. Like right. we get ushered to the front of the <laughs> line for lunch. I'm like, I don't need to eat. He first. needs a smoothie. Yeah, you know, and like a lot of times it's like, no, we just need to get you to set. So yeah. and you know, 
grips and whatnot give you a hard time. Right, right. But I think you can't let that go to your head. And I was talking to a friend at a wedding this weekend and he's like, what's it like, like being on camera? And it's like, well, we're all cogs in the machine. We're all doing our part. Mm -hmm. Like everyone's there 12 hours a day, if not more. I just have some element of vanity that I am able to exercise in a forum that's appropriate for it, which makes me want to be in front of the camera. And a lot of times I'm like, why does that grip want to be on the set for 12 hours? And it's like, they don't, they don't want their time in the sun. They don't want to be in front of the camera. Mm. They want to play a part in the machine. And yeah, I think that's an important attitude to have whether you are a star or not. I don't know what I'm getting at with that, but well, it's yeah. Everyone knows what they're there to do for the day. You know? Yeah. With stunts, it's, it's just so cool dealing with guys who they come from all these different backgrounds yeah, and they all have these different types of training and, and yeah, that's humbling and it keeps you in check mm-hmm. because yeah, the minute, if you're ever cocky as a stuntman, you know, someone's going to knock you on your ass. Yeah. And so. I mean, ex-military guys are not going to. Yeah. Especially when it, you know, production's <laughs> behind schedule and it's like, this isn't life or death. They're like, I know life or death. You yeah. Know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But those are just cool guys to have your back yeah. because sometimes, you know, a stunt is life or death. And True. it's good to know that the guy on the other side of the wire that you're flying from, he's been in the business for a long time and he's very serious about it. And mm-hmm. then after that, you know, everyone's joking. And so it, it's just full of really cool people who I think with with like a martial arts or um, military background where like you have been humbled before and mm-hmm. like you like you've had your ass kicked. I yeah. think I just think that's important with someone's development because they just they don't get too ahead of themselves and they're just very down to earth and they're they've gathered their ego and they know how to, you know, handle it amongst, you know, a huge set where like there's a lot of ego. Yeah. And so it's a cool department to be a part of because you're dealing with a lot of guys who they're just very real and Yeah. That's also why I like the athletic modeling too is that you work with a lot of people who were very or still are very talented athletes Mm -hmm. who have put in so much work and have developed really good character out of that. Yeah. And so when I book like a Under Armour run hard job with Steph Cordial, I know that we're going to have a cool conversation because she's so down to earth and she's great. And you know, whoever else they hire is tip usually going to be really cool because because of that discipline in their um, upbringing. Yeah. And it's one of those cases where the skills do the talking, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a little bit of overlap in the modeling world, but it's not the same as TV and film acting where one person may have gotten this job because their Instagram following is bigger, (laughs) you know, especially in the stunt world. It's like, no, we don't care about your Instagram following. Can you make this fall? Can you, can you do a flip, you know, or I don't, I don't even know, but it's about your job. It's about doing your job and doing it well and being pleasant to work around, work with, but it seems like in the stunt world, just like in the sports modeling world, there's like unlimited pathways and potential for growth. You know, you can take oh God, tactical yeah. shooting classes, you can take precision driving classes, you can take yep. parkour classes, which someone like you who seems to enjoy growth, I would bet that'd be like a playground. Yeah, that's another thing that made me gravitate towards it even more is, is yeah, that potential, you know, I could work in this industry the rest of my life and still be learning yeah. to the day I die. Like, yeah. because I've taken the driving course, but there are some drivers out there who've been driving for 30 years. Right. So it's like, I could take even more driving courses and, you know, with the shooting, you know, 
I, I grew up shot a little bit with my dad, but um, mm-hmm. I could, you know, go back to that. So yeah, that just, it makes it all the more exciting because a year from now I could have a totally different skill set that I'm working on. Yeah. Um, so that just makes it all the better. And it's like, who doesn't want to take like basically race car driving classes and, <laughs> you know, like tactical yeah. urban assault classes. Like how do you clear a building and like, yeah. you know, detonate a door. I want to learn how to do that you're, stuff. You're just playing, you know? I mean, when I got my theatrical agent, she was like, you know, white guys are having a tough time right now. So you're probably going to play like cops and soldiers <laughs> and firemen and cowboys. And I was like, and the problem is yeah, like, like, white guys have it really tough. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> She's like, you're just going to play all the boring stuff. And I was like, yeah, I don't want to be like the brooding romantic comedy guy. I want to be like yeah. a cop blowing doors. <laughs> It'd be fun. Yeah. Well, do you have any last bits of wisdom for, I don't know, anyone? For anyone? Yeah. Last bits of wisdom. Oh, man. It could be related to modeling or acting or soccer, gymnastics, <laughs> stunts. You're a real renaissance man. Trying to be. Trying to be. Well, I've... Oh, man. I'm going to say such a cliche probably. But um, never stop growing, you know? Yeah. Just don't don't be too comfortable with just flatlining with with your whatever it is your skill set or you know your path in um your career Mm -hmm. always look to evolve it because that's that's the spice of life is to take in the roller coaster all the way up to the top yeah i like that that's good man i mean that's pretty much what it comes down to keep evolving go on a bumper sticker keep getting better and better (laughs) well i'm sure i'll see you out there probably won't see you on set i'll see you on auditions though the next audition (laughs) we'll fight it out Although with your training background, I'm probably going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> if it's a Merrill audition. Yeah, that, that's my territory. Stay out. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks again. Yeah, thanks for having me. Bye, kids. <laughs>